Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to go through Brandon Bean's offseason plan, a couple of things that we think should get done, really have some projected pathways that we want you guys to kind of chime in on what path you might think is the best path uh, for course of action. Really looking forward to this edition as it's time to get into the offseason, but we'll be right back with you. Josh Allen. Looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. All right, everyone, welcome in to this edition of the Going Deep Podcast. It is one of my favorite times of year, Mike, as we enter middle of February, early March, as we get into the team just getting back from the Senior Bowl. We have some plans at the Combine coming up here shortly uh, in Indianapolis. And then it's time. It's go time. It's franchise tag time coming up next week. We'll get some news and rumblings around what's going to go on there. We've got quarterback moves around the league that should put pieces together on a lot of free agent plans. What's going to happen with Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson? What's going to happen at these uh, a plethora of still open offensive coordinator positions? Do we see? We saw the Eagles coordinators both leave today for head coaching jobs. Do we see um, where the Eric Bieniemy story goes here in the next couple of days, two weeks? See where he ends up. See what KC looks like as obviously one of the Bills' main competitors. The Bengals hold on to their coordinators, uh, which is big news for them in Anarumo uh, and Callahan. So big news out of Cincinnati. They both were in the running for those final two jobs. As we got later on in this process, I figured that might be the case with why would they be waiting till after the Super Bowl if those two were their top candidates. But, Mike, lots to do today. How you feeling? Feeling good, Kev. First off, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you oh, and you too. Uh, your wife. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great day to celebrate talking about my first love, which is the Buffalo Bills. Okay, uh, my my wife is okay with that. Okay. Uh, we have plans later in the week, but uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's chanting in the background right now. But yeah, 
Great weather, Buffalo today, 50 degree day, great day to celebrate and uh, lots to get to with the Buffalo Bills and uh, their offseason. Now that uh, we have a Super Bowl champion and we know what the Bills have to do to get to that point next year. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. The news is coming out awfully fast um, with around the league. It just feels like faster. It just keeps getting faster in terms of what's going on. Interesting moves with quarterback. Like I talk about this all the time. Like where was the where were these quarterbacks during the Bills drought years, Mike? Where, where were they? Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. I, it's insane. The Bills, like at best, there, there was really no free available quarterbacks between like 07 and like 17. There were zero available quarterbacks to the point where, you know, there seemed to be worse reaches in the draft. It's interesting to where these veteran moves, people don't want to pay anymore um, for quarterbacks that they don't think is going to be the top five guy. It just seems like if you're not a top seven guy, you're not safe. Um, is that kind of how you feel right now with these moves between last year, now maybe even more this year? Well, I think it's just the game has moved that way with how much offense has transformed football over the last two decades. Uh, you look at it now, 20 years ago, you watch any random high school game, it was a mostly run-based uh, attack. Uh, even in co most colleges, they were run-based at that point still. You've gotten to the point where almost everyone playing from the high school level forward has the ability to throw the ball. Once that, what, what's that done is basically you have seen the evolution of quarterbacks, and then with the rules changing, softening, um, making things more difficult for defenses, you have so many talented uh, QBs across the league so if you don't really have one of those top five guys it's really hard to think that you have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl unless you go on some crazy run so uh, I think a lot of teams are now recognizing that um, if they don't have a Pat Mahomes if they don't have uh, a Josh Allen and a Justin Herbert um, even now Jalen Hurts uh, and so forth that they really go into the year with a minimal shot at best. I think Brandon Bean's alluded to this, like all the seven on seven camps, the receivers that are developing as well. That's what's that's what's interesting about the hits on receiver. And we're going to get into that this offseason. Mike, we were talking about it a lot last season. There were still some moving parts. It didn't necessarily always make sense maybe to go receiver first last year. They went fast and furious with the A.J. Brown trade and a couple of other, you know, Marquise Brown. A couple of things happened fast and furious in the draft last year that you know, then the receivers started going off the board. There were still some decent names there. Obviously, the Bills felt the need to trade up a spot for Kyer Elam. So um, last year, we were talking, get Josh Allen weapons. I remember like a whole month we had that segment basically talking about that. You know, Khalil Shakir was on that list. We were thinking third, maybe fourth round. Bills obviously traded that fourth to move up a spot um, after McDuffie went off the board. A lot of people are saying Trent McDuffie may have been the Bills' favorite option there, and Kyer Elam was the last guy they had on their board. Sounds plausible um, to how that could have played out, but they got rid of that fourth. Technically, that's probably definitely where I would have targeted Shakir. I thought he was like a late third, like where Bernard went. That's kind of where I had him valued. Obviously, the league disagreed. He was more of a fifth round pick, but that's really the weapon they got for 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 this. I mean, Jamison Crowder on a relatively low end veteran deal last year. I just don't think it was enough. So I want to start there at the receiver position for the off season. And that's kind of path one. We're going to call this path one uh, is the receiver is upgrading the options at the receiver position. Mike is how important is that to you right now that you look at the, you look at the roster at the receiver position. Obviously you have Stefan Diggs. You have a lot of people talking about, uh, you know, their interesting feelings around the whole uh, 
dig situation. We've seen some already in the chat talking about maybe trading him or um, different different options there. First of all, his contract, even if you want to trade him, is untradeable in a way. The Bills would need to get like a gluttonous amount of draft picks to do something like that, like more than they traded for him, just because uh, they would eat so much salary. It just doesn't make any relative sense. Why would you trade your receiver one when you just signed him? Um I don't know. I guess weirder things have happened, but let's factor him in the plans, at least for now. Um, and then you're looking at the rest of the roster, Khalil Shakir. You know, you have the ghost of John Brown past. You have the ghost of Cole Beasley's past. I mean, you have obviously one year of Gabe Davis on his escalated salary after his performance uh, boost ought to to push his fourth round pick salary up a little bit into the $4 million range, roughly uh, low threes. So you're factoring all that in what are you feeling at this receiver? Cause I know offensive lines, the topic du jour, uh, we're going to get into that here shortly, but we're going to stay with path one, which is receiver. What's your feeling. And I, you know, we talked about it all last year, but tell me what you're thinking needs to happen at this receiver position. As we just watched AJ Brown, Devonte Smith. I know Casey has like a, a, a litany of random receivers, you know, MVS uh, they traded in, in the middle of the season uh, for Tony, um, you know, Michael Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously they have, you know, Travis Kelsey. Uh, where do you stand in this receiver discussion, Mike? Yeah, behind the offensive line, I think wide receiver is probably the most important area for this Bills team to attack this offseason. And, and there's a couple different ways that they can go about it. They can try to get uh, a guy through free agency. Maybe you attack uh, a Paris Campbell, try to get a, a guy similar like that. Uh, you could go the trade route. Uh, and I know everybody's bringing up Hunter Renfro doesn't seem very uh, likely, but you never know. Maybe that's an avenue that they uh, pursue. I really do think the draft is a possibility, uh, especially if some of the, the linemen that they might like in the first round are off the board by that point. So uh, some names like off the top of my head, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm in love with him. I, I think that would be, an instant impact player for uh, the Bills as long as he's healthy. Uh, another name, Jordan Addison, if he's able to fall. Uh, a Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I think it's vital for the Bills to add weapons. We both believe that Khalil Shakir could be a difference maker for the Bills going forward, but we are not 100% positive that this is going to be that year. Maybe. I, I don't want to go into 2023 with maybes. I want definitives. So as much as I like Khalil Shakir, I think you need to find at least someone uh, to go along into the into that top four. There's always a possibility you could double dip where you could, uh, you could re-sign Crowder and then still draft someone in the first or second round. Or you could, like I said, bring in a Paris Campbell and, and draft someone in the first or second round. The, the real question is, do you go after a slot person who, while technically they'll be considered your number three receiver, might be your number two target uh, person uh, at receiver? Or do you try to find Gabe Davis's replacement, assuming that you think he's going to be gone after next year, and basically say, Khalil Shakir, the slot is yours. Let's go that route and uh, basically draft for the future. I'm, I'm personally more in favor of the slot route where – you have Gabe Davis as your two, you you stick with Diggs, and then you bring in another high-level weapon to be your three, and then you could still have Khalil Shakir as a credible number four. So that's that's kind of where I stand. 
Um, I'm open to different ways of attacking it. But one thing I know for sure, if they don't manage to get someone in free agency, I'm hoping that they get a receiver at least in one of these top two rounds here. Yeah. I mean, I'm on par with that. I'm even taking it a step further. I tweeted on the Super Bowl, get Josh Allen weapons. Everyone's like, you know, disagreed from like, no, O-line, like, like they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can get both. Like the concern, definitely. the concern with O-line is when you're talking to, when you're at least listening to a lot of these experts right now, there doesn't seem to be a ton of depth in the draft beyond the first round guys, the, the top five, six guys overall. So that might force the Bills in a situation where they might need to to take one of their guys in the first round or second round in fear of not having other guys available later. But I'm I'm fine with any combination that involves an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in the first, second round. Other positions, I guess if there's a high enough rank safety and you don't like the the group of wideouts that are there or the the group of linemen, I could I could be open to a safety. I could be open to the right defensive lineman if there's a high enough ranked guy on the board. But my preference this year is attacking the offense. We've said it the last couple of weeks. We need to um, make it to where Allen doesn't have uh, any excuses in 2023. Let's solidify this unit. Yeah, and definitely want to dive more into that point in a moment as number two path two was going to be that that offensive line path and kind of how we can piece that together but kind of kind of still staying on path one which is receiver for now um is yeah i like roy collins uh point that of, of greg uh here saying that hope is not a plan um i think we need to continue to be aggressive and attack receiver you look at what joe burrow has been able to do in his career he's always been surrounded by the best uh, you have Justin Jefferson with him. You have uh, obviously Chase. You had uh, Terrence Marshall. Uh, you had a, just and Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, to kind of come out. That's when he really boomed in college. Then he went right into Cincinnati, kind of had an interesting year, got hurt, then came back with Chase. Got, that got them Chase. Um, then you obviously have Boyd and Higgins. Uh, and he's just always, I mean, even Hurst now this year kind of developed into a top 12-ish tight end. Um, so he had always these these weapons and Mixon's obviously still you know they don't run the ball overly effective but they still have a decent running game if they want to use it Samaj P Ryan's a pretty good backup running back but if you're factoring in this path of receiver I think the Bills need to be aggressive I think it's a really tough position to score I think it's really expensive I don't think that you can afford to sign Gabe Davis so you can almost scratch him out is it worth trading Gabe Davis today to get maximum value it could be in the cards. I think I really like him as a receiver too, but it's not a matter of do I think he's good or bad or garbage or whatever terms we want to use. I like Gabe Davis, and I think he's a good receiver too. The numbers prove to it. Advanced statistics point to it. There's a lot of things that point to him still being a serviceable number two receiver in this league. However, if I can cash out on his value, I think you need to do so, as I really do believe he's worth more than Bills fans think in terms the of question compensation. Is, what, would it, what would a team give? For a guy like I gave, gave a, they gave 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool, right? So their numbers are very similar, like literally spot on similar. Um, so to me, I think that a pick in the 30s, I think I don't think that that's crazy. Um, late 30s, early 40s, I don't think that that's that's not so. And the real can, issue though is that, and it's it's not the way it used to be a couple decades ago, but it's never a guarantee when you're drafting a, a rookie wide receiver that they're going to be a high impact player right away. And while a lot of us have 
a lot of people have been dogging Gabe Davis uh, in the last couple months. It is hard to replace 836 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. So as even if you were able to get a second round pick, as intriguing as that would be for Brandon Bean to to maybe get another high level player at a cost control um, area, I, I don't think Josh Allen and uh, the Bills offensive players uh, would be in favor of that type of move heading into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, the counter is like, you're not going to be able to sign them. You're going to lose no draft comp. You're going to lose zero comp- uh, compensation next year. The point is not necessarily whether we're going to, you know, nickel dime how good he is, more or less that you can cash him out now as a smart move to a lesser extent what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill. Now, if you look at the whole situation, though, like, is it Josh Allen, though? Like, he made John Brown. You know, he was able to develop the most out of Cole Beasley. They were a good combo. Even Diggs, you know, a lot of people say Diggs made Allen well. Allen helped boost Diggs' numbers as well. So at some point, like, is it hard? Like, because it's Josh Allen, they throw the ball a lot. And whoever's aside from Stephon Diggs may see at least, even on a low end, on a floor end, might see similar numbers. You know, so that's that's the argument we don't have enough data yet on. And this year might give us a tell. I don't know if I necessarily... Allen is that's, great. That's the part. I don't. I don't know if I'm at the point where he necessarily makes players. I think he can help players take a step beyond what they might be or what they should be at a certain level. In obviously his rookie year, he was playing with far inferior talent. But you saw with a crap group of receivers, his rookie year, he did struggle to complete 54 percent of his passes. Even 2019, when he had John Brown and he had Cole Beasley. While they both had what would be career years for them, it's not that it's not like the Bills' passing game was elite. It truly never got elite until yeah. Stephon Diggs became part of the picture. So, and that was one of the reasons why I always kind of got on people that said, "Well, Tua's only good because he has Tyree Kill now." Like, well, ninety percent of wide, ninety percent of quarterbacks are going to be much better when you give them a top five receiver in football. So. We have not seen Josh Allen be a pro bowler without Stephon Diggs. So I I want to believe that Allen is capable of elevating everyone that he has on the roster. But I do do want to see it with some other guys first, especially with the way the Bills offense runs with a lot of these passes down the field. It's – I 100% believe that a guy like Pat Mahomes elevates – everyone yeah. around him. And I, I think Allen elevates the entire Bills offense, but I, we will see with that point. Uh, in yeah, the I, I just, I just don't think Mahomes is the only one. He's number one in the league. He is the MVP behind him is obviously Allen hurts and burrow and, you know, and literally is that order in MVP voting. Cause if you're saying only Mahomes does it, then no one else does it. I, I just think Allen does give a boost to, he, he definitely gives a boost. I'm not, and saying I think he, he makes a boost. I, yeah. I'm it's just, there's a lot of reasons why that boost is there. Yeah. Some of it, obviously, Allen plays the biggest factor in it. The Bills also are an incredibly pass-heavy offense. Yeah. And when you have a guy like Stephon Diggs, who's a superstar, it does make life easier on the rest of the unit. My question would almost be that when you have Diggs going for over 1,400 yards, having three straight seasons of over 100 catches, why aren't we seeing – 
I guess, more production from some of the other guys on the team. And I understand there's only so many footballs to go around. There's only uh, so many guys you can, you can get involved, but it really has only been Stefan Diggs that has put up elite statistics on the bills with Allen. Dawson Knox had touchdown production two years ago, but well, even in Dawson Knox's great year, it wasn't like he was lighting it up for Travis Kelsey or, uh, Darren well, well, let's get into the Beasley point though. I appreciate you, Whittle. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, they just replaced Cole Beasley 100 yards with Davis. Okay, yeah, fair point. Uh, Cole has a much better catch and drop rate. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there's some some credence to signing Cole Beasley. Like, if he wants to play, it worked out with the team and he comes back at it, at I would assume a fairly low rate. I don't know that he did anything to elevate over much over minimum. Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cash-back benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar copays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. I like him more than Jamison Crowder. I would personally choose Cole Beasley back on this roster as um, as Josh safety blanket, as his potential slot as of now, uh, previous to the draft. If when you sign him in March, sit call it, um, and kind of going in in that slot role and to be a vet presence in the room, kind of like a player's coach. A lot of benefit there, in my opinion, to Cole Beasley coming back on that especially on a very reasonable deal, obviously under $2 million. Um, to me, I think that that's a no-brainer that you would bring him back. And I'd, I'd, I'd like him back over a couple of the other guys on the roster, Mike. So do you kind of feel that way that let's get him entrenched at the slot day one? Obviously, then you still have Davis and Diggs on the roster as it sits today. That seems like a pretty good start to path one, which is re-signing Cole Beasley. Or do you stand elsewhere? I don't. I'm not against bringing Cole Beasley back. If if he wants to come back, I'm willing to to have him if he's willing to take a very minimal veteran salary. I, I don't want to pay him anything if he's to come back. And my main reason being, we kind of know that Kilo Shakir is going to be more of a slot guy than an outside guy mm-hmm. if he's in the NFL. And I, I guess you could have no better teacher than Cole Beasley. But if you bring back Cole that kind of gets in the way of my plan of drafting a wide receiver early. Because in that scenario, your one, two, three goes back to uh, obviously Diggs, Davis, Cole, and then you have Shakir be the number four. If, if you're drafting a wide receiver, say a Jackson Smith and Jigba or an Addison Falls, they're playing for the number four receiver spot or they take over Cole Beasley's role. I, I don't know if I need Cole back at this moment uh it's it's not that he wouldn't be productive i just i don't know if fans are going to expect him to be the same guy that he was two three years ago and i I don't know if he's capable of being that guy anymore Um, not that he couldn't be productive not that he couldn't help out 
I actually, if they were going to bring a, a guy back, I would more so want to take that chance with Jamison Crowder just because Crowder is a little bit younger. Um, yes, he did not look good in his limited action with the Bills last year. Mm-hmm. We know over the course of his career that he's been a productive player. He is uh, on the younger side compared to Beasley uh, around, the, around the 30 mark. So if they were going to bring one of the guys back, I would take a Crowder because then if I end up drafting someone and say Crowder's not good enough to make it, I'm just like, okay, let's just cut ties. We move on. We're good with this. I don't know if it's as easy to to move on from uh, a Cole Beasley, especially a, a veteran presence like that who's well-liked in the Bills locker room. So if they're going to bring the, one of the two back, I, I would say Crowder. I would have a little slight preference for Crowder. I'm not going to be mad if it's Beasley. Um, the one wide receiver I just don't really have much patience for going forward is really Isaiah McKenzie. I, I, I don't know where he really fits in. Last year he went from uh, to basically exclusively wide receiver. If he's not going to have a role on special teams, I don't know what McKenzie really does for this team uh, going forward. And I say this as someone that actually vouched for him and, and enjoyed him in his earlier years on the bills. I just don't see him having a significant impact going forward. Once again, Whittle, thank you so much for coming back in. Um, my point was Davis is replaceable. Rookie receivers can contribute early because of the amount of seven versus seven. They play absolutely true. Brandon Bean will tell you as much. Uh, the amount of seven on seven receivers play develops receivers continues to be a really high value selection. Even the bills with the limited usage of Khalil Shakir in the fifth, he almost was an overvalue pick in terms of what he was able to limitedly produce for the bills this year, especially if you factor in the playoffs, uh, he was really good for the team. And his draft value proves it. And I think he's going to further that as a good pick. Right now, he's right uh, even with his pick value. um, But he will continue to grow on that. But yeah, uh, Shakir should start in the slot or at receiver too. I think that's a growing precedent. We're talking about Beasley. I seem to like Beasley. Whittle, you like Beasley. You have Mike maybe preferring more Jamison Crowder in the slot. Realistically, I I probably don't want either of them. Okay. If if, if there's a way that the Bills get who one of their guys in the first round. If you ask me, who do I want? I'm just talking about a starting point. I'm not talking about the end-all solution. I'm saying, where do you start as the offseason begins? Realistically, if you're telling me, if you had your choice, who is the Bills' number three receiver in 2023? Mm -hmm. My answer is Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's who I want. I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't don't know if he's going to make it down to 27. Probably not. Um, There's three guys that I I really like in this draft that – have at least the possibility of dropping down to 27. None of them are guaranteed to get to that point. If if somehow Flowers, Addison, or Jackson Smith and Jigba fall to 27, that's my pick. Not even – no hesitation. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, no hesitation. I take yeah. any of those guys right away, and I slot them right into my three, and I know going into the year nobody can just worry about digs anymore. We're going to have – the ability to 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 do some fun things on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And um, that's where I stand, Pat. That's why, you know, kind of wrap up path one is receiver in the first round. Jordan Addison's just a dynamic slot receiver. I just think he would bring a next level option to the Bills. Um, I personally not saying that Bees is the solution. Uh, you know, he can't get you yak. And that's obviously what Josh Allen is 
going for. He still shows some wiggle and ability to get open and beat players off the line, especially uh, in zone coverage uh, where he, you know, where McKenzie struggles, uh, where I think to end of the McKenzie talk though, here with this, with this solution is I think there's a, there is a path to him getting traded for a late round pick. I think Cody Ford's worth a fifth. I think the value contract that McKenzie's on for a year would absolutely get you a fifth or a sixth round pick. I'm pretty sure about that. I think there's a team out there who would utilize him at his rate um, in their offense, might see, see, see his positive plays and be a, be a man beater. I really think that that's a possibility for a team out there uh, that feels like they play against a lot of man coverage. I think that there could be a path to him getting traded. I like the starting point of Beasley. Because I think, A, he would come at min- vet minimum with the vet minimum benefit, which means he doesn't really cost much more than a, a, a UDFA on your salary cap as a starting point as a player's coach. But from there, obviously, my path one includes, and this is the path I personally prefer, is adding a dynamic receiver like you see in the Philadelphia Eagles, like you see in the Cincinnati Bengals, like you even see in San Francisco, Um is a dynamic number two receiver. And you're not going to be able to sign Gabe Day. We can sit here and argue how good he is, where he ranks on the number two receiver chart. It doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to resign him. So say we keep him, say this this second round pick trade doesn't work out that it, we're talk, that I'm talking about here. He's not resigning. So do you cash out now or do you play out that year with him? That's a decision Brandon Bean's going to need to make over the next month, month and a half. Personally, I trade him. I cash out his value. I think that's the smart move. Not because I don't like Gabe Davis. I love Gabe Davis. I actually probably like him more than the majority or the the standard Bills fan. I think some of his drops are totally misplayed. I think he's in a lot of 50-50 ball situations. The zero to nine um, reception point is not been there for him. He's dropped a couple in that range that have hurt him a lot. But overall, you know, he doesn't get a ton of looks. He gets very few looks like Jalen Waddle. Um, they're, they're very few looks in the zero to nine range. So ultimately I'd like to see uh, him move on. If he's not a good fit in the off the Ken Dorsey offense on a one year deal, you're not paying up 10 to 12 to 14 based on how this year goes. Uh, you know, he could, could, could fluctuate based on how he finishes up his, his, his um, contract year. But ultimately it's not because I don't like Gabe Davis. It's because I think it's the smart franchise move. And that's what we're doing. The path forward for Brandon Bean, it might be to include Gabe Davis, uh, and trade him away. So that might be the way that you get the max compensation, uh, especially if you're able to plan like we are landing a Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison early on in the draft. And that's the path I prefer because yes, it's not quite as deep at some positions like tackle. I do like a lot of interior guards as this draft goes on. I think there's some day one starters in date on day two. And that's, we're going to open up now to path two, which is path two offensive line first and foremost, maybe putting a side receiver. I know this is a thing more trendy path for, for Bill fans right this moment. I'm still weapons. Number one, I get the offensive line path, but we have to say the amount of money spent on Bates on Dawkins and on Mitch Morse is $31 million. Okay. For three players, not cheap. They also like Tommy Doyle a lot as their sixth offensive lineman and guard. That's where the role he played last year and was pretty good at it. And they were expecting high hopes from Tommy this year as well as they still like Spencer Brown. He was getting back treatment before every game, as well as COVID early on this year. He looked slow, but he's got that 10 Raz, that super athletic profile that that Cromer likes, that this team likes. I don't know that they're going to give up. And on a year we're talking about salary, we're talking about we don't want to pay this player this much, this player that much. On a year where he's making uh, you know, close to $1.1 $1. $1 million, it's not quite 
mandatory to replace him this second. The big gaping hole, though, is right guard to me because you're going to move Bates back to his natural left guard, in my opinion, or if not, left guard. So we need a stud guard. And a lot of people are pointing right now to Osiris Torrance um, from Florida being that guy. Or if you want to go the free agent route, there's a couple names. Powers from Baltimore or Siamalu from Philadelphia had a pretty pivotal false start that then next play later, um, uh, Jalen Hurts fumbles the ball, which changed the game. However, uh, he's been a really good guard. Both of them have been high-end players. If we make one move this year, and you know, Brandon Mean alluded to no splash players, Mike, but I don't know that's a guard's considered a splash. If it's not like Quentin Nelson, that it's a splash player. Um, so do you think, what what do you think about path two, which is either first round guard and Osiris Torrance make maybe Schmitz from Minnesota. He's more in the forties and fifties range right now, but that's just conjecture. That's just me assuming where he's going. That might not be where he really is going to go. Um, or he could be available for the bills in the second round. So what, what are you thinking about path two, which is a, a, a potential high-end guard free agent to take over for Saffold. And look, you plug that high-end guard in next to Brown, next to Morse, and then obviously Bates, who's been serviceable to good, and then Dawkins, who, you know, he's been good in, at times. He's been high-end at times. He needs to get back to that high-end left tackle play. But that's still a pretty solid line if you plug in a, a, a really, really day-one pivotal guard. Yeah, so I'm open to either path. If you have a guy like Osiris Torrance available at pick 27, that's probably where you go. Even if it's probably where you go. It's tough, though. I'm not going to say that's an easy choice compared to a Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison. I just think the Bills will probably go that route, even though I love the wide receiver route. Um, it's, it is interesting because when you mapped everything out, we, we talk about how poor this offensive line played this year, but the reality is there really still isn't that many positions on the line that are actually open. Right. And, and that's the difficult part because when you have what is a mediocre line and you think, Oh, there's places all over the line that you can replace. That's just not the case. Deion Dawkins is not going anywhere. Mitch Morris, as long as he decides to play football is not going anywhere. And like you said, Spencer Brown has not been good his first two years, but the Bills invested a third-round pick in him, and he has that athletic build where they're not going to be ready to give up on him going into year three. So like you said, you really have two openings at both guard positions. Bates is probably going to return and be a starter once again. So you're really looking at one starting position up for grabs, and that will be Roger Saffold's spot that that he leaves. So, uh, it, yeah, they, they can co go a couple different routes. Uh, I wouldn't mind them selecting multiple um, offensive linemen in the draft in the early rounds if they're able to get uh, significant value uh, in the first two, three rounds. It does weaken out quite a bit uh, later on. So I don't know if it's one of those where you're really going to be able to add much to your depth by drafting linemen late. But it, it's going to be interesting because I, I actually read something uh, the other day about the about Josh Allen's pressure rate and Pat Mahomes pressure rate. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I, I apologize about that. But I believe what I was reading said that Josh Allen was pressured on around 35% of his dropbacks this year, which is, it was, it was a high number. It was in the top 10 for, for pressure rate. And Josh was obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best under pressure. Pat Mahomes was pressured on 34% of his dropbacks. 
had similar numbers to Josh while under pressure. We talk about the Bills' offensive line like it is the worst thing in the world. Yet people talk about the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive line like it's incredible, much improved. And obviously they did a, they had a hell of a game against the Philadelphia Eagles um, who had 70 sacks entering uh, the postseason this year. So I'm not going to doubt anything about the, the Chiefs' offensive line. But the, the point being is if Allen and Mahomes are pressured around the same percentage of their dropbacks, and the Bills were also one of the highest yards per carry teams in the NFL, in spite of this offensive line, what does that tell you about what is holding back the Bills' offense? There, there's two things that come to mind. It's either the person calling the plays in the scheme or it's the person that is throwing the ball to them at times. I'm, not, I'm, not in, I'm never going to say that the Bills' offense isn't elite. We all, we all know it's a top three offense. But what is, what is the gap be, between Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen? We, we talked all year about how they were 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. I think what we discovered after this past season is Pat Mahomes is in a tier of by himself right now. He lost one of the best weapons in football in Tyreek Hill, and their offense got better. They they switched everything from a deep shot offense that was explosive and went over the top to a short game, quick passing game, scheming guys wide open. And yes, Andy Reid is an offensive mastermind. Eric Bieniemy is incredible, and they were able to do a lot of things. But I just want to ask Bills fans if. Josh Allen lost to Stephon Diggs. Where does the Bills offense rank overall? They're, they're not a top five offense. Then you could question if they're even top six, seven, eight offense at that point in time. It, it, it just, I just find it pretty interesting overall because with that narrative, surely the Bills offensive line needs to get better. Yes, they need to bring somebody in, but are you expecting it to be drastically different next year, Kev? Even if they do bring in a first-round guard, even if they find a free agent to plug in, are they suddenly going to be much improved? I don't, I don't, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna be talking about much different uh, on this offensive line next year. I think we all have recency bias, and we just forget the stable stretch of three and five football in the middle of the year last year that cost the Bills even number two seed to host the game against the Chiefs last year. They're the number three seed because they played some pretty sloppy football offensively and defensively at times last year. We just forget that, first of all. Second of all, as you go into this year, to your point, um, look, Josh Allen definitely lacked some pocket awareness. He had that elbow injury, a grade two sprain, um, unplayable certain sports. You'd be on baseball, for instance. You'd probably be shut down and and, and monitoring Tommy John. Uh, His decision-making was a little bit off, and so was his accuracy. So what does that mean? Like, is – he was on Kyle Brandt today on Kyle Brandt's basement for his usual appearance, saying that they're on the same page when it comes to changes. What does that mean? Um, what, 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 what are they on the same page on? So that's what's interesting to me is that they're, they're agreeing that there needs to be changes. And I think when you have a stud, I think the Chiefs offensive line played pretty good this year. However, there's some metrics that show they're on page with the Bills offensive line. Um, in certain metrics. So that's, what's interesting to me is how like pumped up that line got. And all we're thinking about is 
the Bengals getting some pressure in the snow game and them faltering. The entire team faltered literally across the board from Diggs to Allen to the O-line to the D-line. That was awful. Really, Kyrie Elam played pretty good. Um, like Matt Milano was part in the biggest game. It was of the okay. Year. Like, I, I don't, I don't really even know. Because the metrics show Kansas City isn't just – a hundred times better than the yeah. Bills, and I think that's what the fans struggle with. This the Bills beat Kansas City this year, and like we said, maybe right. by beating their offensive out. line. Funny enough, yeah. And the thing is, NFL is matchup driven. It's a week to week against the Chiefs. The primary reason why the Bills won that game late, outside of Josh Allen being incredible, was that Von Miller had two huge sacks in pivotal moments in that contest at the end of the first half, and then on the fourth quarter. Uh, on a third down to give the ball the the ball back to Buffalo. So it's like if you ask me, like, do I do I need the Bills' offensive line to improve? Yes, I do. But am I expecting it to make a drastic difference in the Bills' offense if they mm-hmm. they do make that improvement? I don't really see it making a drastic difference. What I need that difference to be is Ellen to have the confidence that on a on a third and nine that there isn't going to be a blitzer that just goes untouched and gets to him. Uh, that on a, a third and 10, he's not, that Saffold's not going to get bull rushed and somebody just going to be in his face within a second and a half. Like it's the, the big moment that I think the bills need to, to step up. And that's really not a, a talent thing in, in my opinion, because like we said, as bad as the bills offensive line was this year, they, they were able to run the ball effectively a, a much better than what they were in the past. PFF had the Bills with a tremendous running game uh, great overall this year. The the Bills, you, you look at James Cook, what he averaged, what Devin Singletary averaged, and then uh, even, uh, even Josh Allen with the scrambles, they, they were able to run the ball. The problem with the Bills is they're timely running when they need that third and two, when they need that third and one. Their, their situational play, I think, has been poor at moments. But overall, they, they do a lot of things that are that are decent. And then if we're being real, Kev, sometimes Josh gets the feet where he wants to get out of the pocket. There's times Josh has a pocket and he runs out of it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In, we don't criticize it because he's dynamic outside of it, and it plays to his strengths to be on the move and to let guys try to get open mm-hmm. on the field because it buys you more time, and that's his comfort. But a lot of quarterbacks would be would be criticized for some of the things Josh does. So it's one of those. It, it's 
I don't want to, and I agree with the one point, Sal, nobody ever is schemed wide open. It, we were blessed with Brian Dable. He was, he was, he's fantastic at that type, type of stuff, setting people up, running something a few times, and then changing what you end up doing later in the game. So not everybody's going to have that level of success. So that definitely needs to improve. But I do think when we look at what the difference between the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs right now, it's that Mahomes is on a level that neither Burrow or Allen are on. That's the number one difference. And then the number two difference, the Bengals and the Chiefs get more situational clutch plays. Uh, not not saying the Bills can't aren't capable of um, of it, but at times you you see Kansas City get that fumble recovery touchdown. You see them make those big plays. Like the Bills sometimes don't make those plays, and that's that's what you need in order to win championships. Very much so. To kind of wrap up uh, path two before we get into our third and final path. Um, is kind of let's go through real quickly what path two could entail. But so we talked about Osiris Torrance. Obviously, we talked about the two potentially high-end free agent guards, if that's the way that they want to go. But it doesn't need to just be high-end guards only. Um, there's definitely a path to a really productive offensive line uh, here for path two. Uh, Luke Whippler from Ohio State uh, really could play guard, could play center. It's a really strong option. Andrew Voorhees from USC. Another guy that I, I really like, Jared Patterson from Notre Dame. He's a guy that could come in and be productive in day two, uh, maybe even early day three. Uh, Steve Avia from TCU. Um, you know, there's just, you know, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, maybe a little bit later on in the draft at center. Obviously, we talked about John Michael Schmitz, probably in the 30 to 50 range right now for him. And then obviously, you know, you're going to have Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Anton Harrison, Broderick Jones, Jalen Duncan. Those are a few of the high-end tackles that may be gone by the time the Bills pick. Um, so would you I don't think, take a tackle? I wouldn't. I know Bills fans are all over it. Like the upgrade difference right now that people feel maybe if a Broderick Jones falls, um, you See, know. That's one of those things, though, where like you're talking about a higher level prospect dropping to you. So in that situation, yeah, you're open to it because you're getting a top right. 20 talent at 27. But let's, and, let's and say it, the top four are gone though, Mike, like Skronsky's yeah. gone, Johnson, Harrison, Jones are all gone. Then, you know, now then you're looking at no way. I, yeah. Now you're looking at Jalen Duncan, Dewan Jones. I mean, look, I don't feel overly good. Like we need to over make that the only priority position is replacing tackle right now um you know i like matt bergeron a lot from syracuse could he pop into guard he could have some position versatility um so there's definitely some names of players um that i really like in this draft and i don't think that it only comes at the cost of osiris torrance or maybe paris johnson from ohio state if he i mean he's not going to fall in my opinion or broderick jones but it's just it's just a matter of i don't love the tackle route um, I think you can get a tackle later on to develop and push him. I think the veteran tackle push is more um, in line with what might happen here. Like we saw a little bit with Quesenberry, but to another level, to a step up. Could it be talked about like someone like, I don't know, who could become available on the free agent market, but there are definitely some tackle names out there to pay attention to as we come closer to cuts. Um, you know, I think that having a really high-end backup tackle 
that can really push Spencer Brown might be the way I personally approach tackle in this specific offseason, if I'm being um, rather than a high end first draft, uh, first round pick only tackle that that's the only way you think we can upgrade tackle. I don't know that that's where they're going to go with that. Tyler Lewan could get caught. I think he could be a perfect fit uh, with his mean streak and his, his ability to be good and coming off of his injury, he might take a swing tackle role, um, you know, to kind of, to kind of recoup probably the that. best way to, to go about it though, when you're talking about it, it right. for tackle, you can't go first round in the draft. No, because no, you're talking about a 50 50 spot. If you draft someone in the first round, you're telling Spencer Brown that he's now a back. Mike, player. to your point, is upgrading Spencer Brown, and some people will say yes, at one point, you know, you know, at a really reduced salary, is that 1.2 million? Is that over, say, Dwan Jones, whoever might be there? How much, like you said, how much better are they? Maybe they kick out and save a sack. Maybe they don't. That's what I'm saying. I, I really don't think that dramatically better. And I think it's it's easy to think, well, we improved the entire offensive line, suddenly magically Josh Allen's going to have all the time in the pocket and we're going to be much better. But the truth of it is a lot of times you make offensive line changes and you're still the same quality offensive line. So that, that was the whole point of Aaron Cromer coming into the organization uh, last year was that he had a, a good track record of developing guys and and turning things into uh, solid solid projects. So I I don't know if I'm at the point where I just want to basically spend money or go high round pick on a, on a tackle when they still might have faith that Spencer Brown can turn into somebody right away. Um, I, I know with each season it gets a little bit. Uh, more daunting of a task, but I'm not ready to give up on Spencer Brown at this point. I think guard is going to be the the much addressed situation. And then uh, maybe I, I know this isn't really an off season move or anything, but I think just as important to the bills offensive success next year and taking it to the next level is how, what adjustment adjustments do they make to their scheme? What adjustments do they do they make to the oh Mike? Path? You you don't don't worry about it. That's all buttoned up into path three here in one moment. But to wrap wrap up path two, um, yeah. If you move so if you move Bates to left guard, you get an elite rookie guard in between Morse and Bates, or excuse me, Morse and Brown. That could be a huge. That's that's my path. Like you get a stud right guard alone that elevates the entire offensive line that elevates brown that elevates you know mitch marsh is good in his own right but that elevates the entire line play bates now in his more pretty fitting left guard spot dawkins takes another step in the right direction and the offensive line is pretty good is it the best like the horrible dawkins we obviously have confidence in yeah Moore has had a, a track record of being i like bates a good player bates is not uh he is at least an average player when you look at him so those are good points, Kev, because realistically, they're not two, three moves away from being halfway decent. We went into last year thinking they were halfway decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we thought Roger Saffold and Bates were going to help them take a step I mean, forward. It, it didn't work out that way. But the issue is Saffold on, wasn't the right fit. about he recency sucks. bias a lot. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think we're victims of recency, re, recency bias when you lose a playoff game the way they lost it. And the the truth of it is you're never as close as you think you are, but you're never as far away as what you think you are. And as frustrating as, as this Bill's offensive line is, if you get Bates at left guard and then you can get a serviceable mm-hmm. rookie uh, or even a, a veteran yeah. uh, 
at the other guard spot. I'll look at the line and say, you know what? They should be at least average next year. And for Josh, I, I'm, I'm not saying average is good or the desired offensive line that you have, but average is better than what we got this year and should be enough. Uh, it, when you have a quarterback that's a 40-plus million-dollar quarterback, you, you got to make do with deficiencies in certain areas. You're not going to always be able to have all pro players all throughout your team. You're going to have to pick and choose. And while the Bills have put big money on defense uh, in recent years, that comes with some sacrifices on the offense. Hopefully that starts to change where we make sure that Allen has the line in front of him. He has the, the wide receivers, the running game. And we accept that defense will go up and down year to year based on uh, the variables that they face in a, in a given season. Yeah. And um, I think that that's a pretty interesting point that I've, I owe, I'm always a firm believer of. Yeah. Like everyone's like, well, you should have like this, this, this player at right tackle and you should have him backing up this player. And it's like, you don't have all pros behind all pros. Like it's not Madden. It's not Madden ultimate team. Like you do need to rely on guys like Terrell Bernard at times. And, you know, obviously we're not focusing too much on defense here in this, in this edition, we'll get into defense in a later show, but it's not, you're not going to just have this gluttonous amount of, of high end backups to, I mean, the league doesn't even have five starting offensive linemen on each team, let alone seven and eight and nine. So like really, I know we dog Saffold, but literally he might be an okay seventh or eighth lineman, you know, between Butker Here's my ideal backup four. It's Butker. Maybe Saville comes back at a team-friendly deal. It's uh, Tommy Doyle. Um, you know, so to me, it's like, and then a, 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 another variable tackle there. So to me, like Alec Anderson, who they've liked a lot of in UCLA, he did get elevated for the Bengals game, found his, his season on, on on the IR later on in the year, uh, but really talented player from U, uh, UCLA. Um, so right then and there, you have four, players I really already like and then you add a veteran tackle in there and fine we need because to plug you know what it also in. hurts the offensive right line. guard you know what also hurts the offensive line when what? you have a passing game that's basically the one of the highest average depth of target passing games in the NFL where you need time to develop almost every route and you have an offensive coordinator that's not scheming great uh routes in uh in his offense so yes the j- fixing that alone could make the offensive line look much better next year. Sometimes offensive line, when you see pressure on a quarterback or quarterback gets sacked, it's not anything to do with the line. It's about how long the quarterback's holding the ball and how things are, how long things are taking to develop down the field. So I I do think it is entirely possible Mm -hmm. for this offensive line to look much improved next year, but it's going to depend on the moves they make. And then like we also said, the scheme, which I know you want to get to, uh, with this next yes. uh, next segment going forward. Yes, next path, third and final path, we're going to call it the improvement path, the BPA path. Um, and this is going to include a couple of different paths to it. So we talked about really focusing on the offensive line path too. Path one was obviously about weapons for Josh Allen, still a path. Um, as you get into path three though, and it's one path that Brandon Bean might follow more than we think, or that he has historically followed. It's the BPA. It's the just get better in random spots path. It's, do you go Bijan Robinson in the first round? Do you get one of these, uh, plethora 
of free agent running backs, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, you know, maybe it could be anybody, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. Could one of the other big name running backs be available with all these coaching changes? It's like get a running game. A lot of people say, how can you get pressure off of Josh? You're losing Singletary. I mean, duh. Um, you have just James Cook. Do you bring back Naeem Hines at five million? I don't. I need a big reduction. I know it's it's marginal. Everyone's like, well, two million here, two million there. I think it adds up, but I want to save the whole entire um, the whole entire amount, not just the two million dollar pay reduction. I want to save it all. Um, and ultimately, like. I don't hate the path of getting a really good running back, plugging in that right guard everybody's talking about and going off of it that way. So path three is an interesting path. It's running back. It's maybe tight end. It's do you go with one of the best tight ends available on the board? Um, I don't know. They tried to run 12 personnel in training camp from what I've told a ton. Um, And what I was able to see OJ Howard comes in just as apparently terrible. um, And they really ate the entire contract to get rid of them. Um, but 12 personnel was in the fold for um, for this offense. Kev, I, I think they really did want Rob Gronkowski. I believe it. I'm I not think I, I believe like, it. I really do think that they were hoping. We called Gronk them for sure. Him. Yeah, we and, called them for sure. And we talked a lot last offseason about 12 personnel and about mm-hmm. how we thought the Bills were going to implement it in their offense. The, the fact is, during training camp, very little success during the preseason – little success, and they just gave up on it. They were like, you know what? This isn't working. We're not going to try to force something that we're struggling with. Screw this. We're, we're done with it. But uh, I think it's clear they wanted that to be part of the offense, and yeah. maybe that failing so bad. Not that it was ever going to be a significant part of the offense, but maybe that failing did lead to some changes early in the season with how they were attacking teams. I, I know people are going to laugh at the ground comments, but – Rob Gronkowski actually spoke about it and said the Bills talked to him last year in free agency after Brady had retired. And Gronk said, if I was going to play football last year, it was going to be in Buffalo. Um, We were talking, we were talking money. It just, I wasn't, he said he wasn't in the proper mindset to, to come back and, and continue playing and ultimately decided I'm going to be done with football. But would be interesting. How would the Bills Bills offense have looked differently had Gronk decided to come to Buffalo? And I, I think you could say drastically different because think about the woes the Bills had this season. A lot of it was in the red zone. They, mm-hmm. which is kind of, kind of confusing because you have a powerful big quarterback that also has the ability to run. That should be the most dynamic weapon you can possibly have, where you can uh, do QB power. You can do. Um, QB sweeps, and then also have the ability to do play action. You, you should be almost unstoppable with a guy like Josh Allen at quarterback in the red zone, but it wasn't the case this year. And I think with a, with a better tight end, too, they could have done some more dynamic things. That said, Kev, if you really want an instant tight end contributor, you're going to have to take one early rounds. There's okay. more pressing needs right now. I can't see the Bills going that way. Running back, you and I both love uh, B. John Robinson uh, out of Texas. Great player, generational type talent. You and I were both high on Brees Hall a couple years ago. The thing is, with how many guys are available in free agency right now, in addition to the conversation about there being a lot of quality, quality running backs in this draft, 
there is no need to reach for a running back uh, in this draft. And there's no need to try to get the best running back in free agency. In fact, you're probably better off if you did the free agency route, waiting it out and seeing who's desperate to sign for a team at the end and giving them a minimal offer and say, mm-hmm. take it or leave it. You, you can either join one of the best offenses in the league and continue your career, be a third, be a second stringer somewhere, um, or take your running back in the fourth, fifth round where you still have value. Um, I, one guy I do love in this draft, I, I don't expect him to be a Buffalo Bill, but I love Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. If there was ever a way where he fell to like the, the third, fourth round, probably not likely, that would be an option uh, for for me just because you have a back that has pass catching um, pass catching dynamic and on top of a great uh, a running game. So those are possibilities. It, it's just hard to see the bills investing in those areas when there are other options that are that far greater. Yeah, and let's right let's talk philosophy of 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 roll three. Roll three is just getting better. It's just it's the Brandon Bean route, really. It could be a combination of things we talked about in path one, in path two. Um, but option three is really let's just get better as a team. It's to the scheme issue. Now, this is what I wanted to make sure we talked about today. You have a guy like Eric Bianami available. Do you pick up the phone and see what's going on with him? Like obviously head coaches out now out. All the head coaching jobs have been filled with the two Eagles coordinators here going to uh, the Colts and the Cardinals. But ultimately, like he wants to make a name. He wants to be the CEO of an offense. And everyone's like, well, why would you go from a first time play caller to a first time play caller? Well, he's led the best offense in the league for five years. It's not a it's a first time play caller, but it's not a first time offensive coordinator. Um, like Ken Dorsey was, it's someone that knows how to manage his players. Who's worked with a top end quarterback who has also worked in one of the best offensive schemes ever. Um, and has all the schemes that schemed open, um, Patrick Mahomes. And to a lesser extent, you're talking about, um, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, uh, back-to-back areas. Yes. He's learned from the best. Um, so to me, it's a matter of, I think the bills need to get better there. I don't know how much longer I can wait. Like I'm talking one year max is what I can wait. If there's no better improvement, I think it's done at that point. Um, but ultimately like the enemy, it's not often you have a player, like if it, or a coach like him, if he was calling plays, he wouldn't be in contention for the Washington uh, commanders off uh, offensive coordinator. He'd be a head coach. So like we need to get off this, like, well, from first time play caller to first time play caller. To me, it's a matter of, He's worked with the best offense in the NFL, the best quarterback who he could go. What a storyline for Josh Allen with Eric Bieniemy and him being the the CEO of the offense to playing Patrick Mahomes in in the playoffs. Like that is that is an incredible storyline uh, to talk about. And he's learned from the best. And one final more uh, one final nugget on why you need to increase the scheme and get people open, like we saw in the Super Bowl, is really important. And there was one time a head coach of the uh, the Minnesota Vikings in 2010, uh, Leslie Frazier took over for the Minnesota Vikings and his assistant head coach and running back coach was Eric Bieniemy, And they are said to be very close. So to me, it does not take much for Leslie Frazier. And maybe we all talked about in, in, in changing defensive coordinator all off season. Maybe there's a plan here in place. Maybe Al Holcomb takes over next year or at some point. But there is definitely maybe Leslie Frazier picks up the, his old buddy and they talk and see if there's any any fluidity there and any changes that could be made. Look, you don't we, we talk about all the time, like, who are you going to replace Sean McDermott with? Who are you going to replace Leslie Frazier with? It's just going to be Al Holcomb. What's the difference? Um, 
but there is a direct replacement at the offensive coordinator position. Maybe you don't make a move at offensive coordinator until you have a guy like Eric Bieniemy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, to do it for. So if you didn't know you had the enemy, you're not going to just fire. Uh, for, uh, you're not going to just fire Ken Dorsey. You're going to need a path. And just like in life, anything you need a, a, a reason to do it. And to me, Eric Bieniemy is someone that has is been just a stud coach and calling plays or not. He does nothing but helps design these plays, you know, from Mahomes' relationship with him to even um, to even uh, Andy Reid's relationship with him, calling him out. The first thing he did in, in this postgame interview was call it Eric Bieniemy. To me, I just think that there needs to be a conversation. I'm not saying anything's going to get done. Everyone that says 0% chance he does this. Um the conversation as a, he's a free agent as, as of now he's interviewing in Washington. The, he was also interviewing in Baltimore. That position since been filled by the Georgia offensive coordinator. Um, but to me, I make the phone call. I say, Hey, we have this open receivers coach, Mike, we have this open receivers coach available. What do you think about that? Obviously he's not going to take a receivers coach position, but you just call him on the guys of that. See how he's feeling. And you get a talking, you get Leslie in the room, you get a talking, and you see what happens if he is creative enough, if he is able to call his own plays, if he is an upgrade, because path three involves upgrading at the offensive coordinator position, not just we're talking about running back here. We're talking about tight end. But ultimately, we've had many comments like none of this is going to change unless you get better from the offensive coordinator position. And this is what includes in this path. And ultimately, maybe it's a path that Brandon Bean likes more than Kevin's on path number one, which I think is the most realistic path number two, which some people like it with the offensive line upgrades or this path, which is maybe picking up the phone and seeing what Eric Bieniemy wants to do in Buffalo. Uh, see if that's interesting to him. See if it's interesting to come work with the next best quarterback in the league, improve his numbers, get to the final dance and get your head coaching job. So ultimately, like, I think it's interesting. And path three also involves Mike. Yes, it could be off the cuff idea. There are a bunch of 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 tight ends that could be available here to supplement this this, this idea. It's you know, does Michael Meyer fall? I don't think he does from Notre Dame. Dalton Kincaid from Utah. We've seen a lot of Luke Musgrave at Oregon State and Darnell Washington is another huge name behind. He would even been great behind Bowers, but Bowers is their number one guy in Georgia. So there's definitely um, there is a good amount of tight ends this year compared to years past to do this path, um, but. I think that that could be another weapon in the in the red zone. Talk about Gasecki. He's like a true slot receiver, not really a tight end. That was much talked about uh, lately. So, and then there's there is a good amount of free agent tight ends more than normally. Have Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram. I think Hooper's got some. Robert Tunyon, Irv Smith Jr. Um, so there's definitely Hayden Hurst. There's definitely some names of some players that you know you could go this route and and Foster Moreau. 
uh, you could definitely go this route and be successful because, you know, I think that that could be a route that they go. And then all, and, and then all the, the rookie tight ends, Mike. So I think that's kind of packaged all together. And then that's picking and pulling, maybe upgrading safety, maybe, maybe ignoring receiver a little bit, but then getting a running back at some point in this draft, like you said, Sean Tucker in the third round, there's a couple of other names that I really do like here uh, that could, could, could get this thing uh, going in the right direction. Like Dwayne McBride from UAB, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, um, there's definitely Sean Tucker, as you mentioned, Zach Evans from Ole Miss, Tank Bigsby from Auburn, Tajay Spears from Tulane. There's definitely some names of players from third three to five that could add to this path. So, Mike, what do you think about path three, which includes maybe picking up the phone, calling for Eric Bianami, just seeing what's going on? No one's saying anything more. That's free. Um, he's a free agent getting on the phone, maybe looking at tight end a little bit more than people are talking about and maybe doing something at running back. And then, yeah, plugging in a right guard. I think any path includes a right guard. So what are you thinking about that? So plan three is kind of the we're open to suggestion type plan. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not against improvements in, in any category. I, I do like the idea of improving at tight end number two, but I don't think if the bills were to add a tight end number two, that it would be the type of guy that you or I would want or the type of guy that fans would be clamoring for. I think you and I, we, we liked a guy like Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina mm -hmm. because we we respected what he could bring to their passing game. My belief is if the Bills add a number two tight end, it's going to be someone to help the running game uh, and have a minimal impact in the passing game. So I, I, I still am a big fan of Dawson Knox. I, I think he still has high-end potential. A lot of it just comes down to finding a way to implement him more. And they did get him more involved as the season went on, but I'm very curious why the Bills took more than half the season to really start using him uh, at a high level. We mentioned running back. They're going to get an, another running back on this this roster one way or another. I don't believe that Devin Singletary will be back. So will that be an upgrade? We'll see on the field. As far as what my – plan three would be it's not bringing in an outside coach like the enemy mm. uh, or bringing in another coach it's expecting that year one to year two jump out of coordinators uh from ken dorsey i need ken dorsey to take a leap forward i don't believe that just because ken dorsey had a shaky first year with buffalo that he is just some horrible offensive coordinator that doesn't know what he's doing a lot of fans will make that out to be the case. And yes, Eric has uh, pointed out examples where Dorsey has had limited um, concepts that have hurt the team in their ability to score and put points on the board. That said, if the narrative before the year was that it's difficult to be a rookie offensive coordinator in this league and that there was going to be some regression and then – you end up having the number two metric offense in the NFL. I think that does deserve a little bit of um, a, a little bit of accepting and take a little of the heat away. We can't just be all about yeah, it's, it's going to be a there's going to be regression, there's going to be regression, there's going to be regression, and then when like there is a little bit of regression and they still have a top three offense, be like oh we got to fire the guy. If that was the case, most offensive coordinators would be fired right away and Dable they had been fired from two three previous jobs in the past 
So it's not like even when Brian Dable came to Buffalo that people loved him. People were still calling for Dable to be fired a couple years after he was was the Bills' offensive coordinator. When he came to Buffalo from Alabama, a lot of, some people considered it an uninspiring hire that was only made because he had local ties to the area. So I don't want to just give up on Dorsey. If, if the offense con- continues to, to look underwhelming next year, I'll be more entertaining to that idea, but I more so want to see what adjustments are they capable of making? Can he scheme guys open? Can he notice tendencies that other teams are doing? We talked about uh, much talked about after the Super Bowl was how Kansas City discovered when Philadelphia was playing certain formations, they would let another guy um, uh, take the wide out. And when the player in motion cuts back out, they would be uncovered and how they capitalized and scored two touchdowns off of it. Can Ken Dorsey start to discover that stuff? That's the stuff that's important to me right now, is can he take that leap forward this year? And I'm not going to rule out that he can. In Like I said earlier, we need to see, is Josh Allen capable of running different t- types of offense? Can we go to a quicker passing game at times? Will we have the slot receiver where on third and five, you trust him that he's going to get open and that you release that ball in one, two, three, he's going to be where you're expecting him to be. Those are the things that I think the bills need to take significant steps this year. I'm not even really worried about the defense quite frankly, because regardless of what the defense does, it's going to be up to the offense to win most of these games on a weekly basis. But uh, I have maybe a little bit more confidence in Ken Dorsey than most, but that's because, History says it takes time uh, as an offensive coordinator. And who else are you going to replace him with? I know people are going to say Biennemi, but like you said, there's a reason why he hasn't been hired for these head coaching spots. And the reason he is looking for these offensive coordinator jobs at lesser teams right now, it's not because of money. It's not because they're better opportunities. It's because he knows that he needs to prove himself most likely at a lesser position a lesser job with lesser talent surrounding him in order to be considered seriously for these other head coaching spots absolutely mike like i said there's definitely a pathway to uh dorsey getting better but he doesn't get more than two years unfortunately um i, I you just don't get a third in my opinion with this two years is fine, Kev. here's yeah. the issue though we're not patient right now because we know that we're in this super bowl or bust era and, and that's fair and i'm okay with moving on from him after year two but they brought him in because he was Josh Allen's handpicked guy. And mm-hmm. we don't even know if Josh Allen wants to get rid of him at this point yet. I'm going to assume probably not. So if that is the case, you you want to know how you can make your franchise quarterback even more discontent with things after not winning a Super Bowl? By firing his guy that he, he enjoys – playing under and and working with. And yes, at some point in time, you need the results to also be there to justify having your position. But we, we, we talked all last year about why did guys like Tommy Sweeney make the team? Why did some of these other guys make the team? When you have a franchise superstar, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Sometimes you make decisions to make sure your guy is happy. And I wouldn't doubt that keeping Dorsey is something that makes Josh happy. Yeah, and it is. He said it. I mean, he said it once again on his interviews and in his locations. I think that path three kind of concludes with 
doing BP. I mean, it's BPA essentially. It's best player available, maybe in free agency and value, and it's in the draft. And I think the Bills want to run the ball better. And I think that was the idea with with OJ Howard is he's a beat. He was supposed to be a beast in the run game. He was supposed to help out there, help out in the red zone, um, and be that solution in in multiple multiple in multiple personnel packages, not just in twelve, maybe in twenty two personnel, maybe lining up in in the slot. Um, you know, doing different things uh, with uh, with Knox on the field. So I think that there is a pathway. There's been a tell between calling Rob Gronkowski to paying a little bit of money for OJ Howard. I think that there is a tell um, at the tight end position that they could be more interested in that and approving that than we think um, and going a different direction elsewhere. So there is plenty of tight ends available in free agency, plenty of them available in the draft, a little bit more than normal compared to other position groups um, that it could be interesting to see if they go that route, improve the running game, get another running back in here, plug in right guard. And all of a sudden, you're talking about a, a, an upper end offense, Mike. Okay, we've laid out the three paths. You don't need to, you know, talk about them too much. We'll revisit these later on this off season. Which path are you going with right now? I'm going to go with the most fun path, and that's path one. I want okay. one of those stud receivers, and the the main reason being, Kev, is we talked about we've talked about the Bengals' offense and their big three, and I think that is that could make a huge difference for the bills is adding a third dynamic weapon in the passing game. I know Knox can also be a huge contributor, but I need that third big weapon offensive line. We, we talked about it. If a guy like Osiris Torrance is, is, is available, I'm open to it. I'm cool with it. Would not be upset at all. But as we mentioned, while the offensive line needs to improve, there's really only one real opening unless they find a way to get mm-hmm. upgrades at both guard positions or they move on from Spencer Brown. So I think the wide receiver one is the one I have um, maybe the biggest fan of, but I do think it's possible where you can get a guard and a quality wide receiver um, that could be immediate impacts. If you play your cards, right. If you get a Torrance in the first round, there's still guys that you might be able to get in the second round, depending on how you you go about things, that could come in and be a three or a four receiver. That's still path so, one to me. Getting so, a, getting a middle round. So my my preference is one. kind of a mix of path one or path two. You I, I'm open to mixing it up. You go either way, but I want either, I want guard wide receiver, and you can mix it up okay. uh, first or second round. The only thing that like that gets up gets me off of it, as I said earlier, is if you have. Um, a safety, one of the higher rated, rated safeties available in the second round, or your your wideouts and your guards that you want in the first round are already off the board, then you could go with someone else because you know there'll be a top 20 talent falling to you in that, that situation. But uh, definitely a mix of path A and path B. Interesting. As we kind of kind of preface this offense here, we had the film room coming up here now on cover one at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. They'll be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly around the offense. So tune into that with Eric Turner and team uh, to get into this discussion in even more detail. We're talking about it from a subjective, um, you know, opinion-based replacements but they'll you know they'll be kind of diving into the numbers a little bit more analytically uh on their show coming on the film room at nine o'clock uh so that's going to be a great addition so make sure you tune into that and any all as always please smash the like button um you know just being 
uh, really important to us as we can continue to make great content all season long. As I know, coming off the Super Bowl, everyone's looking to take a little break. Doesn't stop for us. We continue on all season long every Tuesday at 7. So I really appreciate you smashing the like button. And comment your favorite path. Comment, tweet at us. Get us in, get us in there on uh, your favorite path as well. I want to hear... Um, everything that you guys have to say and please uh, subscribe as well. There's been some issues with iTunes and with uh, Apple in general. So please resubscribe to the podcast. Five stars there is always appreciated. Um, so please uh, like us as well for our on-demand listeners, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast, we really appreciate you guys from tuning in here. Um, also special shout out to our new show producer too. I uh, wanted to make sure I did get a shout out into him as well. So Definitely, uh, we're glad to have him here on the Cover One team. He does a lot analytically with uh, Eric and does special projects, special graphics, etc. When we have a special um, and assignment let, for him, let's get some people to follow him on Twitter too. AJ Cybulski, uh, yeah. he's going to be a big part of our show going forward. Intern for Cover One, so definitely want to shout him out, Kev. We want we want people to follow all of us. So uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, and, a and AJ's favorite path is path three, Mike, um, is, is his favorite path, uh, which is interesting. I, I, I just tend to think like I'm with you on path one. I think that path three is where Bean generally goes. Like, sure, I'm kind of guessing at what that might entail because I'm not Brandon Bean. But that's generally some pot culmination of what that would look like. It's it's improving running back better than you need to do with Singletary, you know. It's he looked pretty poor in the postseason, in my opinion. It's in it's increasing tight end. There are some tells here with Gronk, and, and as we've talked about on this show, and it's doing things a little bit different. Maybe it's changing some things up with the scheme. Maybe it is giving at least the enemy a call. It's um, you know, there's there's a plethora of options that could be into this unit, and maybe maybe replacing tackle would fall within plan three, but not that's still probably more plan two. So, like to me, it's kind of that off the cuff BPA. Maybe it is safety. I, I'd hate to see it go from Poyer to a rookie safety there, but maybe that is something that would be what they think um, would be needed. I can't see the team being that much different there, um, replacing Poyer with a rookie safety. I, I just think you need to improve that organically. Um, but, Mike, what a great show. As always, 7 o'clock on the Going Deep podcast. Special shout-out to producer AJ as well. Um, seriously, please – five stars on Apple podcasts. That would mean so much to us. Please smash the like button. Special shout out to Whittle as well. Thank you for the super chats. Uh, always enjoy talking ball with you. Whittle want to have you on the show next month on March. We're going to go through some of our favorite prospects. And I know Whittle, I know you have a plethora of, of guys you want to talk about. So we'll make sure to get you on that show. Um, and I know you want to talk about tight end. I know Whittle likes path three as well, Mike, um, as I know he's a pro let's, let's get it done that way to increase the running game. But from the Going Deep podcast, Kevin, Mike, producer AJ, and the team, tune in to 9 o'clock, though, for kind of continue this offensive discussion, but more in uh, what did they do, good, bad, and ugly perspective. So make sure you get on there and you get um, the best film review, in my opinion, in the Bill's land, and that's that's the film room. So from everybody, and then special shout-out to Greg Thompson's show, Friday at 9 o'clock. Um, he's going to get in a special, the Greg Thompson show, which is going to be a culmination of things around the league, other topics, uh, funny things going on in Twitter with some great show producers there, um, of, of special guests of people that are great in the community. So make sure you go out there and tune into our new show on Friday and to all the cover one shows that we have on this network. Uh, it's a wonderful, um, 
experience with multiple different content producers. I see things differently than Aaron, than Anthony to you, Mike. Um, so there's just a good, um, a good view of different shows going on and our cap special coming up. Our cap special is going to come up uh, very shortly, which we're each going to play a role on an off season prediction and see kind of this conversation, but more in depth with specific numbers and specific paths. Um, we were talking general paths, but these are going to be specific players with specific monies. Um, to all of our, our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you stay on here at 9 o'clock. But from Kevin and Mike, this is the Going Deep Podcast. We'll catch you here next week, 7 o'clock, as usual, on Tuesdays. And here's to a joyous offseason. We'll catch you guys next time. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When someone is hurt in a truck accident, the one question everyone has is why did this terrible collision happen? To answer that question takes an experienced team of lawyers and experts. Not everyone has this type of experience. At Colombo Law, we are truck injury lawyers. It's what we do every day. When someone is hurt by a truck, Colombo Law is the law firm people call to get answers. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law.